Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call. To join Allworth's Money Matters, call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome to Allworth's Money Matters. I'm Scott Hansen. I'm Pat McLean. Super to be with everybody as uh, we talk about financial matters. Myself and my co-host here, we're both financial advisors, certified financial planner, chartered financial consultant, and um, we like to broadcast this program, take calls, help visit, people make better choices with their finances. Visit with people? Visit with people? <laughs> visit with people? Find out what's Who going was on? I talking the other day about the markets? Um, someone was asking me about the market cycles. I said, you know, the... The nice thing about being in this industry after a long period of time, you've lived through all these different cycles. The dot-com, both run-up and blow-up. Yes. Financial crisis. Both run-up and <laughs> blow-up. <laughs> right. And it, it's, it's, in some ways, it's quite helpful because you just get a different perspective on things. This too shall pass. This too shall pass. Yeah. Except for scams that continue to run their course year after year after year after year, which... Um, Are you thinking of a latest scam or something like that? I've just been listening to uh, um, Hidden Brain, a lot of Hidden Brain, uh, the podcast recently. and they had a, Shanka Verdanka or whatever. Yeah, they had a whole thing on uh, on why people are susceptible to scams. Like oh. like how, how scammers actually take advantage of people to scam on them. A lot of it's affinity scams. From church, yes. other social group. That's right. They must be a good Country guy. Country club, good guy. You don't know him. <laughs> I know it sounds unbelievable, but he's a great I guy. I mean, we had, a, and we'll get to financial matters. This is a financial matter, though, this particular one. Uh, I had a neighbor, so I've lived in the same neighborhood for almost 20 years. We bought a lot there 20-some years ago, built a house. Same house we've been for 20 years. And it's a, it's a golf community, but I don't golf at all. I've never once golfed on that golf course so that's what a golfer is but i remember talking to this my neighbor it was a couple streets over um he had a red ferrari that he'd park out front every once in a while and then he had like a big ferrari flag that he flew in his backyard or whatever like and i remember i met this guy at another neighbor's house i don't know it was monday night football or whatever he had a ferrari jacket on <laughs> ferrari, ferrari loafers it was amazing i didn't even know ferrari made loafers ferrari jewelry but he was talking about all the money. He's in this. He says all the deals you can do, and he did these real estate syndicates of sorts. And I'm like, what do you do? Oh yeah, well we we do some different real estate investments. And he says almost all my money has comes from just the people in this neighborhood. Okay, all a scam. The whole thing was all a scam. He's in federal prison now. I've never heard this story. Oh really? I forget the guy's name. He was a big guy. Um, scammed all the neighbors. Then in the neighborhood. To your point, in the neighborhood, these are people that he met like at Monday night football parties or whatever, yes. Super Bowl parties. Affinity. Your neighbors. Yes. Well, that, yeah, makes the most sense. If you're a psycho. Well, of course he is. <laughs> <laughs> of course he is. I don't know. Yeah. Well, yes. Of course he anyway. is. Well, anyway. Anyway. So what, what, what made me think about this was... Um, we saw the last couple of weeks, was it last week that uh, the exchange traded fund for Bitcoin started trading? A week or two ago, yeah. And I thought, that's 
that's amazing. And the uh, it was Gary Gensler from the SEC came out and said, "Look, we're we're, we're allowing this to happen, but you really probably an interesting thing. So most of the big brokerage firms immediately offered these on their platforms. I think it was Vanguard said they weren't going to. That's right, and they may change course. I mean, I don't know where those firms. I don't know. I just I thought to myself, this is really something that this. I might be coming some... back because my son made. He's mentioned it, brought up Bitcoin twice to me in the last couple of weeks, and he's a leading indicator. He plays. He, he gambles. Uh, plays poker both at the card house and online. And on the online ones, he gets paid in Bitcoin. But he, he cashes su- out. He is successful at it. He's making money. If that is that is that success? Has he figured out how much he makes an hour? About a hundred bucks an hour. Oh. He figured it out. He makes about a hundred bucks an hour. Oh. Taking money from people. Oh. I think he likes the online stuff because he doesn't know who they are. You know. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. All right. um, It's a financial show. We take the point on the Bitcoin. He's like, Yeah, have you seen I think I'm gonna hold it until it reaches whatever. And I'm like, here we go again. It's back. It is back. It is most certainly back. Bitcoin is back. But the, uh, what are the uh, non-fungible tokens are not bad. They're not. <laughs> I forgot about those. The, the dancing monkeys or <laughs> yeah, angry monkeys. People spending a, several hundred thousand for yeah, monkeys. Non-fungible tokens. Non-fungible. I haven't read anything about those in months. No, haven't. I think they're dead. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully. Anyway. Hopefully. It's a big transfer of wealth, though, from the unsuspecting to the creator of those things. Yes. But the dinar, the dinar, the Iraqi dinar, do you remember that one? That was years ago. There's always something. It's always something. If you listen to this um, show any length of time, you will know that uh, we do not get enamored by the bright and shiny, the hot and new, um, the quick way to wealth. We just don't subscribe to that theory. Well, it's... We don't subscribe to that theory. Usually, those don't work out so well. That's right. There's no, there's no easy, easy path unless you're the first one in. Unless you're super lucky, you inherit some money, or you happen to be employee number four at some company that becomes worth a trillion dollars or something. Other than that, you work it's and save hard. Yeah, work and save, you work and save. Yeah. So anyway, if you'd like to join our program, we'd love to take your calls. Questions at moneymatters.com is where you can send us a note. Questions at moneymatters.com or eight three three ninety nine worth. We're in Washington talking with Shar. Shar, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Thank you, Shar. <laughs> so um, I have a question. It's about stocks. Um, I have about, my husband and I, we have about 600000 in 401k pre-tax savings. Uh, we have 30% in cash, 50% in index funds, about 10% in bond index, and then 10% in various stocks. Um, also, we buy stocks, and if it's a win, we sell it and take a quick win. And if it's a loss, we keep it forever and ever. So I was <laughs> just to uh, Just to had... remind you of the poor decision or what? Why do you keep it forever? Um, let's just say it's not my choice. Got it. Okay. Okay. Um, you know, uh, we are close to retirement, and uh, I think uh, me and my husband, we have to merge our 
I guess, our risk levels. Um, I think he thinks that we're going to um, get a win, so we keep it, that it'll turn around. And it's occurred to me the other day, that means we have, I think we have too much in cash. We're not making money. And that um, if we sell when we make money and keep the losers, then we have short-term wins and long-term losses, which means we're going to lose a lot more, right? And, well, let me. How much money are we talking about in the uh, six hundred thousand? No, that's in the IRA and the brokerage account is where you're. Where, where, where the money the that you're account. buying in the money that you're buying these stocks in? Are you doing it inside the IRA? Yes, I have uh, one at Fidelity for my that's active with my employment, and then another one uh, at E Trade. It's pre tax. Okay. Okay, and none of it. So, this when you're buying these and selling these stocks, none of it's in a regular brokerage account. It's all in an IRA or a four hundred one k. Is that correct? Uh, almost true. Okay. We have about seventy five thousand in a Fidelity, uh, and that one's uh, not pre tax. Okay, that one's in. Uh, I think I got F V F I A X. All right, you're not okay. trading that one. You're then. not trading that one. Okay, you're not tri- no. triggering taxes for yourself. So, I mean, let's start with the first thing, cash. You mentioned too much in cash. I think cash is fantastic to put money that you're going to need within a short period of time. What is a short period of time, Scott? If I plan on buying, let's say you plan on buying a vacation home next year, or you're a couple years off from retirement, you plan on moving somewhere, and you want to have some flexibility to buy something before you sell your existing, or whatever it might be, you, you're, you're going to take one big trip around the I don't care what it is. If it's money that you need within five years, cash is fantastic. That doesn't is fluctuate in value. You know it's there. When you call up the bank to say time to transfer the funds, you know what the value is going to be. Great for short term. Terrible for long term investments. Because it just doesn't earn that much. And if you consider stocks historically, if you go back the last hundred years, they've done about six to seven percentage points above that of the rate of inflation. So let's say inflation's three percent, they've averaged ten percent. That's historically that's the kind of return you get, as opposed to cash has usually been about half a percentage point above inflation. So, particularly in four hundred one k investments. Having an, a, a large allocation to cash, I mean, unless you're planning on yanking those dollars out and spending them, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. It makes no sense. It makes you feel good because your your portfolio doesn't swing as much. But yeah, but but it doesn't. It isn't based on really what your timelines are, nor nor what your retirement needs and objectives are. Right. It's just kind of well. It's it's worse than stagnating, right? Well, I think his thought is. Uh, if he has cash and he sees a big deal, he can buy it. Okay. Well, so let's talk about the individual stocks for a moment. Okay. So you own index funds, right? In your portfolio. Yeah, you we mentioned. have a lot of index funds. And the yeah. reason index funds have become, become popular, uh, one, they're low cost, but two, even more so, it's most professional managers can't outperform the market. Especially the even broad market. Even with their teams of analysts doing all that research, the vast majority do worse than if they just said, you know what, let's just forget all this. Let's just buy the index. So on the one hand, you've got, you believe that. That's why you own index funds. But for some reason, your husband thinks he's 
got some some skill that surpasses Wall Street to be able to trade stocks. Now, people invest for a lot of different reasons. Some of it is a bit of a sport, a bit of gamble, a bit of all, all those things. And I think it's fine if it's kept to a small percentage of one's portfolio. And for example, if... If you and your so obviously you and you, you and your husband don't see eye to eye on this, my guess is there's other parts of your marriage you don't always see eye to eye. I've been married 31 years. There's parts of my marriage we don't always see eye to eye. But we have a conversation. We say, look, how do we make this work for both of us, even though we don't fully agree? So maybe the right yeah. thing is that 10 percent never goes more than 10 percent. He can trade how he wants. Maybe it's five percent. I don't know. Um, but I would have a tendency to actually segregate those dollars into the brokerage account, leave the um, the four hundred one k money, as or carve long it or carve it out a ten percent special IRA, a special IRA that allow him to to trade in it. And by the way, the idea that you never sell any losers, it, it, the thesis is just fouled. It, there's there it makes no sense at all because the question you should be well, asking and you're gonna you'll you'll sell any of the tomorrow's leaders if you sell the. Yeah, but the question you should be asking, would I buy this stock today if it was available to me? And if you say, yes, I would buy this stock today if it was available to me, then you continue to hold it. And you do that with both your winners and your losers, not sell your winners and keep your losers. But that's a completely different, he, he'll need to call us directly to get that sort of input. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like great advice. Thank you. All right, Char. I do have a few other questions. I don't sure. know if you have time. Yeah, sure. Oh, okay. So I'm a Boeing so one of the, So we we temp, we we for years we were uh, on the radio, uh, live on the radio where we had to live by the radio clock, right? So whenever the commercials were coming, the breaks, we had to get through the calls quickly to get the break. We've moved past that. We're still broadcast on terrestrial radio, but we designed the program. This program now more as a podcast, and we schedule our calls, so it gives us. Time to have a little more in-depth conversations, which we enjoy. So fire away at your next question. And you wouldn't have made, Lucky. by the way, they wouldn't have, our screener wouldn't have scheduled you if they thought you were a bad call. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I'm a Boeing employee and um, I have a pension. I'm lucky because I, you know, the, the trend is to not do pension. Yep. But I do have a pension and we're not sure, my spouse and I, what options, we have a lot of options to take. And the big one is, you know, just take a lump sum. Uh, he looked, you can put it into a, a pre-tax. Yeah, you can roll it into an IRA. And what's the size of that or, lump sum? Um, it should be around 300000 Okay, so 300000 mm-hmm. Or we can take, uh, you know, um, a monthly yeah, chunk. And so the number we'd like to compare to is the full joint survivor. So in order to compare apples to apples, you take the pension lump sum and you compare what would happen if you took a pension and if you were to uh, predecease your husband, he would receive exactly the same pension. And so the Boeing pension probably has seven or eight different options that you can choose from. Yeah. The one we're interested in is the one that actually is the same level, whether you're living or dead, that goes to your husband. What is that number? Yeah. Um one second. Let okay. me get that because I have it right here. <laughs> okay. okay. Yep. It's a 100% survivor. That's right. Okay. Yep. And so 
that is around if I retire when I want um it's it's about eighteen hundred okay and how how old will you be when you retire sixty five okay so a couple things on this how old are you now sixty two and he okay. is sixty five well i'll, I'll t- so does he work at Boeing as well no. Okay. So we're going to give you an answer today, but it's not going to be the right answer for three years from now. And the reason is okay. that pension lump sum moves up and down based upon yeah. interest rates and your life expectancy. And so the higher right. the interest rate that they use internally on that pension lump sum, the lower your lump sum is. So we can so answer. The pensions, the lump sum is probably less today than it was a year ago. There is no question. Oh. Yeah. Right. Okay, right. Yeah. So you understand how it, yeah. it works. Right. So essentially what happens is the pension sets aside a lump sum of monies for you. And they use this internal interest rate in order to determine that lump sum of money. And then the idea being is that if it's 7%, the internal interest rate that based on a normal life expectancy, that pot of money should be empty uh, at, at the remainder of your Expected life. Expected. Knowing that some people are going to die prematurely and some are going to live much longer. And so what happens is the lower that interest rate, the higher the lump sum. The higher that interest rate, the lower the lump sum. But you need to do the calculation at that particular date and time. And then there's a couple ways to look at it. One is to say, what, what rate of return do I need to earn to provide that same income while maintaining my principal? And we That's how ref- most people like to look at it. And we'll refer to that as the hurdle rate. The other one is to say, well, apples to apples, what rate of return would I need to provide that income to the remainder of my normal life expectancy and then have it go to zero by that point? So it's a, it, it's a, a lower rate of return you'd need to re- So the things that you take into common- But most common, people don't like seeing their account balance going down. That's right. Time. So you want to <laughs> you want to calculate it based on a- what what you hurdle would ex- a hurdle rate or what you would expect that you would return in a well balanced portfolio. So if you are retiring today with these numbers you just told us, it's about a seven point two percent rate that you would need to achieve. And then I would and look at the rest of the assets, right? And I might say, mm-hmm. you know, you might be better off at seven point two taking the monthly pension and getting more aggressive, more aggressive elsewhere. Elsewhere in your 401k, right? Because you can look at that monthly pension as a bond portion of your pension, which will- Because you're not going to get a guaranteed 7.2% in the market today. Not going to happen. The older you are, the harder it is to justify a lump sum. Just because it's not that big, right? I mean, if you're you're retiring at age 80, your life expectancy might be six years. It's not going to be very very much money. So, Mm -hmm. so, So the answer to your question is, call us back- in three years. And by the way, we have hundreds of maybe we have probably thousands of clients that have taken lump sums. Yeah. And by the way, what happens is you can, you can gain this a little bit too, because inside every pension plan, they will tell you what interest index they're using to determine the pension lump sum. And so you can retire on December 29th and get 2024's pension, or you can ret- pension interest rate, which would, cause a certain lump sum, or you can retire the 1st of January, 2025 and get a different lump sum. And you might know that interest rate 15 days in advance. 
Oh, okay. All right. So this number, so if you were calling today and saying, I'm leaving today, assuming everything else is equal, that you have a normal life expectancy, um, and that comes into play, your husband has a normal life expectancy, we would tell you today, we'd be more inclined to take the pension and I would increase the allocation in that 401k up to 70, 75% equities. Oh, you would take pension lump sum, not pension. No, no, I'd take the monthly pension. I'd take the monthly pension if it was today and I'd increase the 401k allocation uh, more to equities. That's as little as we know about you now. Now, if you have millions of dollars elsewhere, um, that might change our opinion because you're able to tolerate a little bit more risk in the up and down. Okay. But you're not going to get an answer. You're not. In fact, you could worry about it if you want, but you're not going to get an answer until you're ready to retire. Um, and I would plan on taking the pension. And if interest rates are really low at the time you go to retire, maybe you'll take the lump sum. So yeah, a year ago we probably would have said look, look towards a lump sum. Oh, there's no question. Because rates were so low. There's no question. It made the lump sum so large. Yes, and actually it would it made it it, it would be it's great for you. Time, Char, I so much appreciate the call. It's good to talk with you. And Pat, I remember years ago there was a, a, a season where you could take a and we did this for some clients took a pension lump sum went out and bought U.S. Treasuries and matched the so. In this situation, it was you take the three hundred thousand, you buy treasuries, and it equals the eighteen hundred dollars monthly pension. Only preserving your principal. Only a fool would take the lump sum. And you could buy thirty year treasuries, which is essentially equal to the person's life expectancy with a bunch, and maintain the principal. I shouldn't say only a fool. Um, Many. I can understand people's fear with all this, and sometimes it's just easier to take the path of least resistance. Although. Um, My guess is most of the listeners, that's not their... At $1,800, I wouldn't worry about the pension being in default. Um, but if that number uh, was 7000 or 8000 or um, $10,000... What could, what what could ever to, go wrong with Boeing, Pat? Oh, well, <laughs> well, remember what happened to all the airline pilots? Yeah. Right? So United, American, the pension Delta... Benefit, pension Benefit Guaranteed Corporations guarantees to a certain level. And age. A lot of these people, yeah, based on your age, it's, it's based on age 65. And then if you retire before that, it's a lesser amount. I don't know. I forget what the, it's about 50 grand a year, 60 yep. grand a year. They get and these people were taking $150,000, $200,000 pensions and they had half to three quarters wiped out because the plan went into bank, the company went into bankruptcy, which required them to turn the plan over to the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation. And the PBGC, much like the FDIC, uh, the Federal De- Deposit Insurance Corporation has limits on it. It's funny. I remember years ago arguing with someone. They were retiring from AT&T, and I was arguing for them to take the pension, the monthly pension. This was, God, 25 years ago. Well, they were worried about AT&T going out. Of, going to, I'm like, and they were under the limits, too. They were worried, That was their concern. I'm like, first of all. Now, that was at, not SBC. It was AT&T. AT&T years ago. I said, first of all, let's look at the company and. And it said, how, how many things would have to go wrong? But secondly, you're already covered. You're, you're well under the PBGC. But now, limit. in saying all this, and you've got a choice between a pension and lump sum, our answer was directed. If you're way above the limits, you should definitely take the lump sum. Yes. If someone's, if your pension is a hundred grand a year and you have an opportunity to take a lump sum, take the lump sum just because you get more protection. Otherwise, you don't have any insurance. That's right. 
And so, companies, but but every pension plan is different on how the pension lump sum is that calculated. Is correct, yeah. So this is specific to Char. So if you've listened to this and say, yeah. oh, I'm absolutely going to take the pension, it and may be the, the way, wrong odds answer. odds are you have no pension through your work. <laughs> What did and I read? no pension lump sum. If 90, you have a pension, you probably work for the government of some sort. Ninety. I was reading this two weeks ago. Ninety-one percent of people in the pub in the private have no uh, pension. Have no pension. Yeah. But government almost most of them have pensions. Yes. All right. Let's continue. We're in Maryland. Talk with Susan. Susan, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hi there. Thanks Hi, for taking my uh, question. Yes. It's really pretty straightforward. I just want to know whether or not I should pay off the mortgage on my second home. Um, it's uh, it's a second home. It's located in Virginia Beach. It's worth about um, five hundred thousand dollars. I have uh, about I owe about seventy thousand dollars. My interest rate is three point six two five percent. And um, I pay a little bit more than I have to every month. So I think it'll be paid off in July 2027 if I don't pay it all off now. And do you owe anyone else money? Uh, <laughs> yes. I, uh, I also have a um, primary residence in the Washington metro area. Um, it's a condo. It's um, a $250,000 mortgage at 2.5% interest. Okay. How old are you? 62. And do you have money to pay it off? Yes, I have. Um, well, I have uh, I have 970000 in a 403B at TIAA. Mm -hmm. And I have 880000 in a brokerage account at Schwab. And then I have 240000 in um, cash and money market kind of money um, that I was planning. I was planning to live off the two I just retired so I was planning to live off that 240 and until I turned 65 and uh, you have a pension coming in no no pension have you thought about any Roth conversions? Yes. Thank you, Scott. Uh, you've, you, we're going to answer a completely different set of questions. Well, let's before. answer your first question. <laughs> the so, answer is here's how old are you, Susan? 62. Okay. So are you married? Uh, uh, yes, but my husband and I have our finances completely separate. Do you f how do you file your taxes? Well, we file jointly, but um, <laughs> okay. he has he has his money and I have my money. Okay. Um, so, like the house, like for example, the um, both properties are in my name. Got it. And, and I have a trust, and they're in my trust. Well, well the reason this is important well, is this the is income. Whether we, when we can recommend, let's answer yeah, the question, yeah. and then we'll go to the rock so version. So here's. You in it's let's let's assume it's three point six two five percent. Let's assume you could earn one point five percentage points higher if you buy say buy a CD, which is right. about what the market is right now. So your right. cost of uh, you you'll make about a thousand bucks a year by keeping this mortgage in extra interest because you're earning more than oh, you're paying in I, interest. But now okay. having said that, you're probably not getting a tax deduction on this anymore because. You're no, probably taking a yeah. standard deduction, uh, right. and you are paying tax on the income. So let's instead of being a thousand, let's call it seven hundred. Yes, but you should not pay this off, nor should you be paying extra on it, because <laughs> you because you can earn more in the cash. Well, you're going to take your money out of your Schwab account, which earning more and paying 
assuming it's earning more. If not, then put, move the cash to where yeah. it's getting a higher rate. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a government money market funds in your, your brokerage account that are paying 5.1% right now. And remember, you can always pay it off at any point in time. So if that interest rate drops to 4% and it no longer makes sense for you to keep the cash, you can turn around, take the cash out and pay off the mortgage. But economically speaking, there is, I could not make an argument as to why you should pay a penny extra. Cause it makes me feel good. All right. Well, All right, well then, 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 then you got to say, is it worth 700 bucks go. a year? You've got to you decide. <laughs> If it's worth seven or eight hundred dollars a year, pay it off. You're not gonna. It's not gonna blow anything up. It's not gonna make any difference in your financial plan. Whether yes. this, is, whether you pay it off or don't pay it off, your your financial life's not gonna be any different. If you were my sister, I'd say, eh, do whatever you want, because it's not gonna have that much of an impact. That's and if right. you feel that good about paying it off, then pay, pay it, off. it off. If you could go down to Virginia Beach, sit out there like a big wig. Sipping your margarita or whatever you sip, staring at the ocean, thinking, I own this thing. <laughs> then do it. There's something there's something said to that. I like oh, it. Yeah. oh, listen, I I have a I have a vacation house it's paid for. I don't know if how I'd feel. I'd probably feel a little bit differently if it wasn't paid for. Yeah. If it yeah. makes you feel good, pay it yeah. off. It's it's the so the the real planning issue though, Susan. This is what this is why you should have called. Like, so <laughs> okay. if if you if for the next three years you spend down your cash and allow that four hundred three b to continue to grow and whatever securities you own in your brokerage account at Schwab to continue to grow, you're taking a tax liability, future either current or future tax liability, and you're kicking it down the road, and it might be worse in the future than what it would be in 2024 or 2025 or 2026 or 27 or 28. So the question that you, you, this is going and I know your husband and this you, is where you need to put, because you file your taxes jointly, you need to actually coordinate whether you should be doing Roth conversions or taking income or both. So if it was just you and your husband wasn't in the picture, we would say, or selling a highly appreciated stock in the brokerage account that you want to try to diversify away from, or, taking a distribution from the 403B, some from the brokerage account, some from the cash, and then converting some of the 403B into a Roth IRA. You mean, you mean taking it now? Yes. Even though I don't, even though I don't need it, but that's right it now. That's right. So Be that I don't have to. Well, she higher, wouldn't take it out. Um, You'd convert it to a Roth. You convert it to a Roth. So you're uh -huh. converting it. If, if let's say we just wait and you didn't take a dime out of this well, 403B. Before, what's your husband make? What's his income? What is he? He's he's retired. Okay. What's his income? And he's been retired. He's been retired for a long time. He doesn't have a three hundred thousand dollar year pension or anything. I'm guessing. No. Or nor does he have multi millions in the bank. Uh, no. She's no. laughing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. He's got an ex wife, so he doesn't okay. have any. <laughs> Hence the reason <laughs> separate separate property here. Um. Y yes, you should be doing – and the idea being is if you don't take convert some of that 403B into a Roth now and you wait until you're required to take a distribution on this, this thing could be $2 million, right? You're 62 now. We go out 12, oh, yeah. 13 years. It could be – I mean, the way the tax rates work, uh, Susan, is they're – progressive so there's some income we don't pay yeah. any tax on right it's for most americans right. it's the standard deduction you pay no income uh no taxes whatsoever on that that standard deduction um 
And what is the standard deduction this year? It's, uh, it's $29,000 for a married filing joint. So the first, right. let's call it $30,000 of income tax-free. Then right. there's some income. The next 20, roughly 20000 is taxed at 10%. So we've got $50,000 of income taxed at 10%. Then it goes to 12%. Then it goes to 22%. Then 24%, all the way up to 37%. And then there's another 3.8% of uh, uh, Obamacare tax on top of that. So the idea being is rather than postpone the taxation on all of this much, as much as possible and keep yourself in the lowest marginal tax bracket. Can we take some for nothing or 10%? 10%? And then when I need to take required minimum distributions out of my IRAs, which the 403B effectively will become an IRA, I assume at mm-hmm. some point in time. And capital gains up to almost a hundred grand. You could have a capital gain with no capital gain taxes. So you want to, you want to do it while you have control over the taxation and not when you're forced into a taxation and you you're in the prime spot, especially now. Are you taking social security now? No. Uh-uh. Okay. This is even better, even better. Right. So I was gonna I was gonna wait until I was sixty five to take any money out of nope. Social Security or four hundred three B or Well don't think about well, it taking it taking it out. Think about just rearranging your assets to maximize um, your tax savings. And so one option and one strategy is is converting that uh, some of the four hundred three B to Roth. Uh, but another one, and along the same side, th- my guess is there's some securities in your brokerage account that have grown tremendously, some that you might want to pair a bit of their holdings, diversify a bit. This gives you a tremendous opportunity to, to sell a portion and not pay any capital gain taxes. I don't know the Maryland, okay. I don't know the state of Maryland's rate, so they got to you know factor that in, but it's going to be de minimis. It's always well, Okay. <laughs> It's always oh, you're high. talking to people that live in California, <laughs> yeah. so no that's t- why I call it de minimis. <laughs> Anywhere else is de minimis. <laughs> no tears for you. <laughs> no, it's, we're the third worst place to retire. All right. Well, listen, I, I, it we must are. it must be awful at that house at Virginia Beach. I don't know how you do it. Well, that's why I like. It. <laughs> <laughs> Which is right. Which is okay. Maybe that's your permanent so residence. Our our suggestion, Susan, in the future, yeah. is for you and your husband to meet with a good financial advisor and do a good plan. You could do some what if scenarios, like what if we did this, converted this, what if we sold that, and and it'll, one it'll show you your it'll, your probability of success thirty years out, even with your current strategy. But by doing so, you. you, you you just got a, a great opportunity right now to really maximize your retirement savings. It's tax planning. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. So what you got out of this is you're going to pay off that Virginia beach house because you want to, which is great. <laughs> Listen, it's not, it's not going to matter that much. And if it makes you feel good, then do it. And the other is that it, you and your husband need to sit down and, you don't, he doesn't really need to be involved if he doesn't have a lot of assets and you know what his income is, right? I don't, if, does he have a lot yeah. of money in 401ks or IRAs? No. Yeah, he has some. Oh, yeah. Okay. And okay. he gets a big social security check. Okay. Yeah. Well then if you actually know those numbers, he doesn't even need to go to the meeting with you. You can plan around it. Okay. Yeah. Just get right. the previous year's tax return. Yeah. And plan around it. If you don't want to involve him, you don't have to. Yep. Agreed. Totally agree. 
All right, Sounds good. Appreciate yeah. the call. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for Thank calling. Thank you. Pat, I want to follow up on your, like, I guarantee there's some uh, listeners are thinking, what, why would that guy recommend pay, paying money, paying off the mortgage and foregoing that interest, losing out on seven, 800 bucks a year because it makes someone feel better. And, but the reality is we all make choices with our money that aren't necessarily designed to increase our net worth. We go out to, out to eat. We have children. <laughs> we have children. Okay. <laughs> but there's a number of things. And it's different for different people, different families. But we all make those decisions every day, every week. We choose to part with our finances in return for something. Some experience, some material good, some benefit. Some something. psychological benefit. And we explain to her the cost. And then it's up to her whether she wants to do it or not. Yeah, she might say it's not. It's for seven hundred dollars. I don't have to worry about that payment, and I can go to your point. Or she might say that's crazy. Why would I want to burn that money? Seven hundred. Yeah. If you look, if if the goal is to maximize your net worth so you die with as much money as possible, live in the smallest place you can. Don't. I mean, if you own a home, rent it out and buy a little tiny house and live there. Never go out to eat. Never entertain any guests. Um, Cancel all your subscriptions. Yeah. No peacock streaming or anything. Uh, I just got my uh, my uh, internet bill lowered by $30 yesterday. Just called them, told them I'm thinking of quitting. And they put me over to retention and um, had a nice conversation with the gentleman. Working out of South Africa. Um, Johannesburg. Kidding. Yeah. That's it, the call it, center in Johannesburg? It was in Johannesburg, South Africa. Um, so you can understand their English. I could. I, I yes. understood him. I yes. understood I mean, him. That's probably some of those off, yeah, offshore um, call center. Actually. And then when I was on the phone with AT&T, um, so every couple of years, my wife and I actually just pull up all Were the Were you the ones who made the phone calls? Yes. You my, spent a, oh, a few that one hours? Took me, nah, that one, yeah, two hours total. Between AT&T and uh, Xfinity. You start adding them up, 30 oh, bucks a month here and oh, 10 bucks a month oh, no, here, I know exactly. bucks a month here. Yeah, it was, Suddenly uh, it's real money. It was now I'm getting. I'm thinking it, I need to do this. It was $260 for the Xfinity on an annual basis, and I'll do it. I, we do it every two to three years. Just call them and say, hey, I'm thinking of quitting, and they push By the way, over I've worked with it. Pat a long time. And I remember you used to take your Lexus to Jiffy Lube or whatever and negotiate on the oil change. $39, I'll give you 33 <laughs> I'm still, <laughs> it's where I grew up, man. <laughs> it's where you grow up, right? All right, let's continue back with calls here. Uh, it all it all adds up in those silly subscription things. Oh, I signed up for Peacock to watch the football game last weekend, thinking I'm going to cancel it, and then then it's all, it was on my wife's Apple account, and like I don't even know how to cancel that, and then she's, and the next thing you know. We're out on the street. <laughs> That's it. It started with one too many subscriptions. <laughs> just one to watch the football one game. Too many. I didn't even care, I didn't care about the football game. I just want to see Taylor Swift. Why did they? No, oh, that's right. I'm Why did they file for bankruptcy? Too many. Too many <laughs> too subscriptions. Many. <laughs> they are kind of endless, aren't they? Oh no, correct. Everyone wants a monthly subscription now. Oh yes. Well, no, whatever it is, it's and it's only three dollars. Yes. Cancel. Yes. Yes. I was on Amazon and an ad popped up for a subscription for toilet paper. <laughs> True story. Like you could sign up and have toilet paper delivered to your house. I was thinking that's one more thing. And what happens if you end up with too much or too little? It's either both are a problem. 
Oh, we're not going to talk about toilet paper anymore. Just brings me back to the era of the lockdowns. Oh, yes. Come to the office and raid the office. (laughs) I did. I got got a case for a friend of mine. He put out a plea for help. What a crazy era. All right, let's, I don't want to even think about that. put out a plea for help. And I said, okay, I got it. It's really cheap. It came from my office. And, um, and, and I said, I will give it to you under one condition. You cannot tell anyone where you got this because I don't want anyone else calling me and asking me for toilet paper. I'm not going to become the local toilet paper dealer. Uh, okay, let's move on. Yes. Uh, we're in Indiana talking with Rock. Rock, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hey, how are you guys today? We're great. Hey, so I've got a question for you about college savings. So um, I've been saving just in a bank account for for my kids there in second and third grade. And I know that's not the best way to grow that money. So um, I started looking into a 529 account Um, in Indiana. They will give you a tax credit of 25% up to 7,500 bucks a year. A a year? um, Twenty five, yeah, twenty five uh, on seventy five hundred dollar deposit maximum, or they'll give you a credit up to seventy five hundred dollars. It's it's fifteen hundred dollar credit uh, if you put seventy five hundred dollars. Okay. And so I'm trying to figure out the best way. I have twenty thousand dollars in the bank, and d- I'm trying to figure out d- like the best way to maximize that. You know, yeah, with that tax credit. So yeah, exactly what you're thinking. Yes. How do you do it? Yeah. And I talked to a local advisor and he said that, you know, if I trusted people, I could give them 7,500 bucks and they could put it into my kids 529 as a gift. And then they claim the tax credit. And then. No, don't, 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 no, 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 adult donating so okay well there's we'll find out if it's if a husband or wife can double that i mean I, we're not experts on the state of indiana's yeah, tax laws yeah but, but you want to do it to the maximum in 2024 and then you want to use up the rest of it in 2025 okay yeah and you absolutely want to use the 529 and you're talking to two guys that went full circle like the day it came out i put money into it for my children as did i and we have used it um, in fact, we're using some of them now for my daughter to go to law school and you can move it from beneficiary to beneficiary, which is how we did it. Okay. It's, it's, it's easy. It's easy. And then, then they converted it that if you don't use it in the child's lifetime, then you, there's an ability to actually convert it to a Roth IRA in the child's there's name. There's a limit though on that. But, there is a limit. Yeah. But and it, it yeah, spread this out over two or three calendar tax calendar years. Yeah. That's what I would or do. if it's just 7,500 for you and 7,500 for your wife, right. Then do it that way, but use the maximum in 24 and the rest in 25. And you probably want to use the age adjusted uh, allocation in there. Okay. So, so it's better to just wait and get the tax credit. Yeah. Cause so get the gain whatever gain. Well, no, no. So the 529, think of it as just kind of an umbrella that you put, on other investments. So 
Whatever investments are available within the 529 are also available to you today. You could buy it today. A similar kind of investment. And at the end of next year, you could take the money out of that investment and replicate it in the 529. Yeah, and get the, the 20, 20 or 25% tax credit. Okay, I see what you're saying. Gotcha. That makes sense. Yeah, and that, never talk to that advisor again, by No, the way. I would agree. That is, that's terrible advice. They just told you how to skirt the law. Gotcha. It's not an arm's that's length what- transaction. So first of all, if you make a gift to somebody, there is no strings, in order, there's no strings attached to that for it to be their asset. If you still control it, it's not a completed gift. So it would be, it would essentially be you making that, that contribution. Yeah, and, and by the fact that they actually had to give you back that tax credit, um, that's a form of money laundering. It's a form of money laundering. Yeah, it didn't seem good. So. Well, that, well, that, not, I mean, it's, it's that advisor's it, terrible. It's not, you, you can't, if you control a gift, it's not a completed gift. So therefore, it wouldn't be the family member actually making that, that decision who, or friend to make that decision. Can you imagine if someone asked you to do that? I'd be like, uh, no, thank you. Yeah. I, yeah, don't talk to that advisor. Sounds like a plan. Yeah, and if it's a family member, disown them. <laughs> <laughs> not, not <bad>. oh, good. <laughs> okay. well, that's a little much <laughs> i appreciate the why, why, why aren't we allowed to come to christmas at your house this year well listen sister your husband gave me some terrible advice <laughs> yes i've seen people uh i know somebody who would they they like big donors and was retired and he's trying to give all this money throughout his lifetime and so he was above the 50 percent limit for deductibility, so he was giving his kids the money and then having his kids turn around and donate to the charities that he wanted to do. Same kind of thing. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. It's, um, well, in politics, people go to prison for that. Campaign finance. Yes. <laughs> or not. You see that uh, SBF, Sam Bankman-Fried, they decided not to pursue his political contributions they dropped that case against him oh i didn't see that yeah they did it over the holidays so nobody noticed i did not see that so they're not going to claw back no then even they're ignoring it i did not see that you wonder because he gave millions to both Democrats. this is the guy who founded ftx that was a big <laughs> a bit of a ponzi scheme the way he was taking he's taking deposits and investing in the own um so they, no. so the, the the bankruptcy. Wait, wait, the the who said they're not because the the fiduciary, whatever, whatever the federal prosecutor is not pursuing charges. Okay, but the trustee for the for the trustee for the bankruptcy is the one that should actually be pushing it because the trustee for the bankruptcy uh, represents those people that lost money in the bankruptcy. Yeah, but can they go back to a? Can they go back to the um, federal government and push on it? I would hope. Or each political, like. I would hope. I would hope. I would hope. But they there didn't. is some lawsuits against some of the actors who got money from Larry David and. Yes. To claw back. Claw back. Yeah. Anyway. Interesting. Is it interesting? I think it is. I think it's actually, if that's in fact the case, and the trustee is uh, violating their fiduciary obligation to the. Uh, the parties in the bankruptcy, quite frankly. 
So let's say let's let's say you make a, a political contribution to your local congressperson who's running for Congress. Okay. And then you later go bankrupt and you have creditors. Could the creditor do you think the creditors can come back to that local congressman or congresswoman and say, hey, no. Yeah. But I wasn't but but the money wasn't a product of a of a commission of a crime. If I robbed a bank and took the money home. Oh, okay. <laughs> Fine. That's a good point, right? <laughs> Even though that you didn't know it was a commission of a crime at the time it was doing, after the fact it's commission of the crime. All right. Anyway, it's just an illegal show. Yes, it's not a legal show. Hey, wanna let everyone know that we've got a uh financial planning, virtual event. So some of the topics we talk about here, it's kind of packaged in a way to help you make some wise choices. Uh, We're going to talk about five must-known strategies for building a confident financial plan. So it's really about the kind of the financial plan, similar to the conversation we had with the earlier caller. Uh, During this virtual event, you're going to learn how to calculate your retirement income needs. And it's funny, Pat, when we first started as advisors, Someone's going to be retiring. We would have the complete of a whole budget. Tell us where you spend your money, right? And you'd, they'd go through this list, and so you'd run the, you'd look at the list, and you'd say, okay, hmm, yeah, you uh, show four thousand dollars a month in expenses, but you take home seven or nine. Where's the difference? This was a few years ago. When yes, we this was thirty years <laughs> okay. ago. Okay, thirty years ago. <laughs> yeah, um, and so after a while, we realized that. For most people, unless you're one of those strange people that keeps track of every expenditure, there's some people do, most people do not. So we have another way, it's, it's a kind of a quick and dirty way to calculate your retirement income needs without, and I think it's more accurate, it's clearly more accurate. Which is in order you to maintain your current standard of living. Like what's coming through? What are you spending now without actually and, looking at yeah. a budget? Yeah, well, we, we factor in things like what are you saving for in your 401k, what's your FICA taxes, and some of those other things. But So we'll, we'll talk about that during the, the planning event. Uh, also, we're going to talk about some approaches to investment management and how that uh, things can be structured there, and uh, how to potentially save thousands of dollars on tax future future tax filings, which I think also in previous caller today we, we talked about. It. So there's uh, three different times you can participate in this virtual event. Uh, January 24th, that's a Wednesday, January 24th at noon Pacific. Thursday, January 25th at noon Pacific. And Saturday, January 27th at 9 a.m. Pacific. So any of those three times. Um, and you would go to allworthfinancial.com slash workshops. Yeah. So anyway, that's all the time we have in the program today. And it's been great having you with us. And as always, if you've enjoyed this show, please take a moment to rate it. And uh, if you um, are so inclined, share it with a friend. Yeah. Give us a review. We'd appreciate that. This is, you've been listening to Scott Hansen and Pat McLean of Allworth's Money Matters. This program has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence.